The Start On Demand. On demand. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. Sons McGarry this week. Welcome back, Loren McNabb. How was Howdy. your week off? I was going to say away, but I'm guessing you maybe ventured out a total of uh, 150 kilometers over the entire oh, time of even. your week off. I bet you it wasn't even that. I was just telling Forche, uh, technical producer Jeff Forche was asking how the week was, and I said, I don't want to complain because it's nice to get the time and catch up on a few things, but it's so very different from anything I think I've maybe ever done before. Um, not just because I stayed home and I often do so much traveling because I have family in so many different parts of the country and quite, you know, actually the world, but because, you know, even if you wanted to do something, you really have to think now about how you're going to get that done and whether you should be doing it, right? Like, A, can I go to the store for that? No. Okay. I have to do that online. Okay. When can I get that delivered? Right. So even if I was, I thought of projects halfway through the week, like, oh, I should finish that room or grab some paint for that. And I was like, nope, can't do that. I should get this done. Nope. Can't really do that. And so you really had to reconcile with doing nothing and being okay with it, which is a very hard place for me to be sometimes. Well, our listener, Pat, just just now sent in a text message with pictures of a very full parking lot at Kildonan Place. This was on Saturday around noon. Curious what you saw around the city and out and about, 204-780-6868. Were we staying home? And uh, thanks to Gary, who sends us a picture every single morning when he's out on his walk. An incredible view of what is essentially a full moon, missed the lunar eclipse between one and five, completely <laughs> forgot about it. One of the pure benefits of being up at this hour, Loren, and I blew it. Oh, and I was up the whole night. I should have just gotten up and, and taken a look. Yeah. Oh, Fired up the telescope. Bad. I honestly could have just gone outside and sat there all night because yeah. that's how I, it's such a, you know, it's such a bizarre time for so many of us. And one of the things that I really enjoyed this past week because, you know, I was home and off and not really, you can't go anywhere or do anything. And I haven't been sleeping well. And I know I'm speaking for pretty much everyone right now on that front. But people's uh, holiday photos really warmed my heart. A lot of people getting out to do hikes with their family or, yes. into, you know, solo walks. And then, of course, there was just the trees going up. We put our tree up on Saturday. It's a beauty of a tree. Smells great. I don't think it's making it to December 25th, to be honest. It feels like I'm going to have to remember some serious spray down or water on that one. But yeah, we had a great we had a great time prepping for the holidays. Well, I suggest you just set a timer in your phone, a calendar, a meeting maker, whatever it is. I mean, we've got all these meetings and different uh, phone calls we have to have here, teleconferences, uh, I suggest you just put it in your phone and just make sure you water it every yes. single day. And oh. You should be okay. Uh, I haven't seen a picture yet, so I would love to see how your tree looks. I did see a picture <laughs> and video of an attempt at a gingerbread train. I don't know why I do this every year, because every year they're a disaster. And I don't, even, I don't make it. I don't bake it. I go out and buy those kits. And so I had ordered one in a click and collect last week for a gingerbread house but it was a train and it comes in all the pieces and you just use the icings to stick it together and the instructions are pretty straightforward i think it says for three and up ages three and up on it and about 10 minutes in we're all just like well what the <laughs> what it's not sticking together this doesn't look right this piece doesn't look good and you know the kids all they want to do is eat it oh yeah anyway so yeah by the end the video i sent you was my husband just like like a free pouring icing, like a free pour all over the, all over the train. And then you just hear him go, okay, stick stuff to that. And they all just like, look at us. And I was like, never mind, everybody just eat it. But I later learned you can buy those prefab, like not just pre-cut pieces, yeah. but the house is already done for you. Come on. Where, where would you find such a thing? I, so I posted a couple of pictures on Facebook of our, our, of our, you know, Christmas Saturday, trying to get things, everyone in the festive spirit. And I had like four, four or five different parents text and say, why aren't you just using those pre-built ones? And I'm like, that is what I'm using. It's cut pieces. Like how much simpler can it get? Well, apparently you can buy them where the house is already made and you're just decorating it. Okay. Well, I want 
one of these because that mom, is mom hacks uh, is what I was calling that. <laughs> well, I would suggest that that's about my skill level as well. So, uh, well, you guys okay, did the tree this weekend. Didn't we you? did the tree. We did the tree. The the gingerbread thing is sort of ends up in exactly the same circumstance, and uh, ours looks. Very similar to the way uh, yours ended up and the one that you sent me, the video of of your adventure with the gingerbread train. So, um, yeah, maybe the pre-built one is a way to go. I'm thinking about the gingerbread houses that I saw in the Hallmark movie. I think we watched three of them this weekend, but don't tell anyone. Uh, one that's called 12 Dates of Christmas made here in Winnipeg. I think there was one other one we watched that was made in Winnipeg. Not as many exterior location shots as this 12 Dates uh, of Christmas was. Lots of outside. They filmed in July. I was doing far too much research on this movie. <laughs> Loren is into what they had uh, had to battle in uh, making this film. But it was actually pretty good because of all the different locations locations that they used, including uh, Bailey's Restaurant, where we typically have our Christmas party and one of our advertising partners here at 680 CJOB and a hotel, Fork Area, Fork Area Hotel, uh, looks absolutely incredible on film. So uh, if you're a Winnipeg uh, buff and fan, I, I suggest that you look for the 12 dates of Christmas on the W Network if, you, if you're inclined to watch those Christmas movies. And just accept that some shows are better than others mm -hmm. you know and just like lower the bar maybe on some of that because i have watched some truly bad movies and tv over the past few weeks i think i went through all the ones that were recommended and now i'm at the point where i'm like Ugh, i guess i'll watch this and it's it I, it's painful some of these films that never clearly made it anywhere and then now i'm stuck watching them because i have no choice <laughs> We start this half hour with Manitoba RCMP. They blocked a parking lot of a church that was trying to host a service yesterday. The province banned all faith-based gatherings as part of the level red pandemic restrictions put in place at November 12th, while COVID-19 cases skyrocketed in our province. Yeah, and of course, those services are banned with the exception of virtual gatherings. So you can go online to watch services, but that's it. And so this Church of God Restoration, which is a chapter of a North American Christian denomination founded in the 80s, it's already been hit with a $5,000 fine after it held a service eight days ago. So on the previous Sunday, in that case, more than 100 people attended, according to the RCMP. Well, some of those same people were back again yesterday. This church, of course, is just south of Seinbach, and Global News reporter Eric Pandera was also there. About 150 vehicles lined the side of the highway outside the Church of God Restoration Sunday morning. This after the same church was fined last Sunday for holding a service despite public health orders banning gatherings while COVID-19 cases continue to rise in Manitoba. Anywhere, let's say, even in the vehicles, we just don't want people, the province doesn't want people getting together right now in such large numbers uh, as we don't want this virus to spread. But RCMP blocked off the entrance to the parking lot and told anyone who might have planned to walk in, they'd be given a fine. We're not there to hand out tickets if we don't have to. Um, but people need to get the message. You Instead, a minister preached over a loudspeaker. At one point, some of the would-be parishioners attempted to lead a convoy of vehicles into the lot. Then a tow truck was brought in, sparking conflict as people blocked the truck from towing away the vehicle while officers tried to clear the way. The church service ended at about 10.30 Sunday morning, and men who appeared to be connected to the church refused to comment. Meanwhile, the province said it would have an update on public health order enforcement at the event later this week. Eric Pindera, Global News. So the voice that you heard in that story was uh, Paul Moneg with the RCMP talking about what their role or what they felt their role was there yesterday. Global News also tried to talk to people associated with the church and people who were also trying to go to that service yesterday, but they declined comment. What we can also add to this story, though, is a bit of context about the numbers. And so the Southern Health region where the church is located, it had 1,126 active cases Saturday. And then another 1,885 people have recovered since the virus reached that part of the province. In the Southern Health region, which includes, of course, Steinbeck, 56 people have died, Greg, as of 
yesterday, 76 were in hospital. Yeah, Loren, and we uh, should probably remind folks, Steinbeck as recently as two weeks ago had a test positivity rate of 40%, 4-0. Meanwhile, Winnipeg police were on scene at Springs Church as that church held a drive-in service in defiance of public health orders. Global News reporter Joe Scarpelli brings us those details. Vehicles flood the parking lot of Springs Church Sunday for one of three drive-in services. But this isn't allowed under Manitoba's current public health orders. People are worried that we're meeting like this and that it's not safe. I've got news for you. This is absolutely safe. And getting together is crucial. Winnipeg police and Manitoba justice officials could be seen in different spots around the church observing the service. Global News wasn't allowed on the property, but didn't see any attempts to break up the gathering. Springs Church also had its own staff and security patrolling the lot. Area Councillor Sean Nason says he's disappointed in the church's decision to hold a service. This is the largest church in the city of Winnipeg, and they are basically saying they know better. Uh, it's, it's unfortunate. Springs Church also held a drive-in service Saturday night. All of them were streamed online for people wanting to tune in at home, which is allowed under the public health orders. There's currently no word on whether tickets were handed out. That information could be coming from the province on Tuesday. The church has not responded to our request for comment. Joe Scarpelli, Global News. And just for our listeners' sake, we have reached out again to the Springs Church for comment from the pastor, um, looking to see if, if, if he'd be willing to come on just to share about what his thoughts were. And, you know, like, I, I appreciate people's desire to get together at this time, perhaps now more than ever, Greg. I get that. I know in the spring, these drive-in services, I believe they were allowed. I, I know they were happening for sure in uh, May and June. And so now things have changed, though, right, with the numbers and the restrictions maybe are a bit tighter. There's there's more stringent um, enforcement happening. And so I understand that people are maybe confused and, and feel like what they're doing is okay. And so there is – I get it. But – and I get you're in your car and you feel like you're safe um, – but you've been told not to do something. And so that's where the issue comes in for, you know, the counselor in the story who was talking about how he was disappointed and for police who are monitoring the situation mm-hmm. um, on a regular basis, right? Well, there are lots of things out there that uh, many of us feel we could do safely, right? And, but they are currently against public health orders. So I, I even confess to you uh, last night and this morning, Loren, I'm not sure where I fall with regard to these drive-in services, but this is a decision public health has made. I get it. It stinks for a lot of people. It's something that they're depending on right now, but it's not stopping you from observing your faith. It's not stopping you from praying to your God or anything like that or commiserating. Now, there's two differences here potentially with these two services that we focused on this morning, potentially. One at the Springs Church. As far as I know, you could stream the audio on your radio and you would be able to stay in your car and keep your windows up. I don't know if that same technology was in place in Steinbach or that the church just outside of Steinbach, because according to Eric Pindera, our reporter, the, the, the pastor was speaking over a loudspeaker, and then now you've got a whole different set of circumstances potentially if you've got to roll down your windows in order to hear that individual, stick your head out the window, just suggesting that there might be some differences here, but... This doesn't affect me personally, but I'm I'm trying to wrap my head around uh, the differences and why these health orders are in place as it pertains to not only this, but to other things. We're asking questions. We want to know why. But at the same time, the message is pretty clear. Stay home. That's the safest place for you to be. Yeah. And I think the struggle for some of the folks that might have previously attended these drive-in services earlier this year at the, at the start of this pandemic is that, as, is that rules have changed. And so I think part of that is about the idea of, is that Dr. Rusin doesn't want us really leaving our homes, period. We absolutely have to. And yes, I get that people are not necessarily adhering to that. They might be going to different shops for all sorts of reasons. I, I, you know, we, we're all making trips uh, to stores for our own purchases. I get that. And so there's some confusion there for churchgoers. Uh, but again, the rule is right now that you're only able to access church services online. And so that is the rule. We're looking for some clarity on that. But it, it affects all of us, I think, Greg, because even if you're not one of the people who, A, either has attended one of these services or isn't able to access your church services as you are right now, it's creating to a, whole, a whole lot of divis- divisiveness out there. 
And so these kinds of actions, when someone goes to the church or goes to that drive-in service, you have other people weighing in on social media, you know, mad or angry or sad. And, and so it's creating that that some of that hate that we've seen, which is not where we want to go right now. Yeah, well, uh, interacting with a listener this morning saying, you were at Pol- Kildonan Park this weekend. There were lots of people. Kildonan Park was crazy busy on Saturday, but people were keeping their distance. It's within the public health orders for us to be out and moving around. People were not congregating, which is what you're not supposed to be doing. So I get the mixed messages for some people. I understand. Mm -hmm. It's not black and white. It's not cut and dry. Greg Mackling, Loren McNabb, along with Jeffrey Forche, Kelly Moore, and Jeff Braun on this edition of The Start, Monday morning. The kickoff to a lot of folks' work week. Uh, obviously, there were many of you who were working over the weekend, frontline workers, essential workers, uh, people working in retail and uh, restaurants, lots of delivery going on, thanks to everybody who works the odd hours so that we can uh, have some sort of semblance of normalcy in these difficult times. Loren, we are... Anxiously awaiting winter in these parts, and I know that sounds a little silly, but hey, we've been talking for years about the idea that Winnipeg and Manitobans, uh, Winnipegers and Manitobans, really embrace the winter season, and maybe now more so than ever, and we're looking for different ways uh, to do that. As uh, you mentioned the terminology, cabin fever, as December is not even upon us uh, for another 18 hours or so. Yeah, and so we want to ask people this morning, what's that winter activity that you maybe used to love to do and don't really get to do it anymore for whatever reason or something that you've always wanted to try? And so we were talking at 6.15 about the Forks, you know, making tentative plans to open its trail as it usually does in January. We're going to talk after 8 with the owner of a local ski hill about the fact that they are closed right now because of restrictions, but how they would like to open. And I saw a lot of people making great suggestions uh, on social media over the weekend. So we want to go around the wheel. One of the best ones I saw was somebody who turned their trampoline into a winter um, fort of sorts, like let the snow build around it. And so I'm actually considering, can I find a day this winter to sleep outside? And by outside, I mean like five steps from my front door so I can (laughs) run into the front door. Well, winter camping is a popular activity. Jeff Braun, I don't take you for a winter camper, but uh, is there anything that you've (laughs) fallen in love with winter-wise, either when you were younger, something you'd like to try? Where where do you want to go with this? When I was a teenager, I, I only ever did it like a handful of times, but I really enjoyed downhill skiing. We'd go on school trips or I'd go a couple times with my friends, and it was always just a blast. I, I honestly haven't done that in about 25 years. And I, as much as I like the idea of it, I don't know that I would actually do it now just because uh, I've got a, a much better idea of what uh, these old bones would do if they mm. came crashing down yeah. in a horrible <laughs> fashion. And, and, the the word limber in my uh, to describe me has been replaced by lumbering more. So uh, <laughs> I I have less confidence in being able to you know steer around a tree if I had to or that type of thing. Just remember pizza, <laughs> pizza, French fries, pizza. Just remember all that. You'll be just fine. Hey Jeff Forche, what about you? Tobogganing. That was oh, the best as a kid. Yes, tobogganing. GT snow racer, your uh, <laughs> magic carpet or whatever it was called, or the crazy saucer, carpet. crazy carpet. There you go. But you know what? As I'm getting older now, getting up that hill, it's a workout. I can only go down and back up a few times. (laughs) What are you, like 22 or something? Goodness gracious, you're not even 30 yet. Not 30 yet, but almost there. A laugh about tobogganing in Manitoba, too, is how much joy Manitobans get out of any hill. Like, I saw kids in a three-foot ditch on the weekend, and I was like, look at that. They think they're at the top of a mountain right now. They're like, they climbed in the ditch, and... And then toboggan down the ditch. It took maybe two seconds, and then they were back out again. I loved it. Or climbing the snow hills in the parking lot after they'd plow it. Oh, for sure. Those were some of the best places uh, to go, quote-unquote, tobogganing. And there are some hidden gems. I know uh, up in Birds Hill at the pits, as they call them, uh, just off Birds Hill Road, uh, there are some really steep runs there. Lots of fun. Uh, If you're adventurous and you're willing to uh, venture a little bit out of the uh, off the beaten path, lots of places to go tobogganing. What about you, Kelly Moore? Well, I'll tell you what, uh, the, is it Garbage Hill here in Transcona? I can't remember what the name of it is. Anyway, that, uh, that uh, hill 
uh, just off of uh, Redonda was smoking busy yesterday. It was great to see uh, all the kids tobogganing there. But for us, because I literally lived in the middle of nowhere, we had no shortage of ponds that we could go and play hockey on. And uh, those were the best, my best memories as a kid. And we did do some tobogganing and skiing and that sort of thing. But, uh, uh, you know, we would, uh, we'd hit the pond at about nine o'clock in the morning and mom or dad, mostly dad would come and pick us up uh, when it was getting dark around four or four 30. And uh, those were the best days. I put a text message in uh, what we affectionately refer to as the wheel. It's a perspective from Steinbach, I think, that uh, deserves and needs to get out there uh, this morning. Do you mind reading that for yeah, our listeners? This listener texted in to say, Hello, I'm from Steinbach and I'm a Christian. I do want to say that the church that is disobeying public health orders doesn't really capture the mindset of other churches or the population here accurately. In a theological standpoint, it could be said that this contradicts scripture because it was said clearly to be subject to authority. We as a whole understand these mandates are for the hopefully good, are for the good result after time. We all need to try and do our part because it's clear that this pandemic is no joke. We aren't prohibited meeting, but much like school and work, we need to adapt to the circumstances in hopes that this will pass and not affect so many people. And that came from a listener just a short time ago because at 6.30 we were talking about uh, some of the different churches that, that had different kinds of gatherings this weekend. And there was also text from listeners who said they don't get why these drive-in services aren't allowed. If people are showing up with their families only in their own cars, staying in their cars, We've all we've had an equal number of people write in to say they're not really sure why that isn't allowed right now. And so there's some confusion there and also some anger and also people saying, hey, let's try not to be so mean about this, because if Mm -hmm. you do go into social media, depending on which side you sit on this one, there's a lot of hate directed either way um, from folks who are mad about people gathering for church or mad about um, not enough being done. Uh, and so I think that there's a need for some clarity. Obviously, people can't be gathering in a church and potentially even in a parking lot outdoors together. But in your cars, there are those who are saying, what is the big deal? Greg? What's the difference between a parking lot and a church parking lot? Uh, I think I said that it was Tuesday morning. It's only Monday. I'm getting ahead of myself. But we start this hour of the start. We should learn later today just how deeply in the red Canada has gone during this pandemic. That's on the financial side, Loren. Yeah, we haven't actually had a federal budget in about 18 months, but around three our time today, we are going to get a... Uh economic update from Ottawa and so it might tell us about how deep in the red we've gone about our deficit which at last count was forecasted to hit 343.2 billion this year that would be an historic uh, deficit if that's where we're going and of course we want to talk at this hour about how our leaders have handled um, this crisis economic crisis uh, this health crisis and what they have been doing and so polls numbers out right now show that the prime minister actually continues to have strong approval ratings but Our next guest says a key test lies ahead. He is, of course, Daryl Brooker, CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs. Good morning, Daryl. Good morning. Let's start with the numbers. Is it unusual to be this deep in a crisis? And this is an unprecedented crisis, so it might be hard to answer this, to still have the kind of approval ratings that we're seeing for a prime minister after this length of time? Yeah, he's at 60%, which at any time for a prime minister is really, really strong. I don't think Stephen Harper during his entire period in in power ever got to 60. So, uh, yeah, the prime minister's resilience through this is, uh, in terms of his approval levels, is unprecedented. So what do the approval ratings look like here on the prairies, Daryl, as uh, we focus on uh, Manitoba and Saskatchewan, I suspect, tend to get lumped in together on these things? Yeah, I'm afraid we we do, just just due to sample size. But uh, um, numbers lower on the prairies, definitely lower in Alberta. Um, and, and that's something that we see uh, for this government right back to the very point at which it was first elected back in 2015. So, of course, you know, the politicians will say we don't care about approval ratings. We care about doing the right thing. But we know that's not true when it comes to just even the actions they might take and the impact that their actions can have on how voters might feel, Daryl. And a big one coming up will be how any vaccine produced for the world and for Canada gets rolled out and how our leaders might handle it. Is that, is that key to the next test for this government? That really will be the next test. I mean, we've heard a certain amount of controversy this week about uh, whether or not Canada and Canadians will be expected to see uh, the vaccine roll out sooner uh, than, um, uh, say, some other places or later 
than some other places. And uh, if the government, if it is later and the government doesn't have a good explanation as to why that is, uh, they could uh, they could run into some trouble on that. So uh, being in a pandemic on the verge of vaccine distribution, uh, some historically decent numbers, I would suggest, for the prime minister, uh, some tenuous times in terms of a prime minister who leads a minority government, Daryl. Yeah, uh, and, and the interesting thing on this is even though his approval level is at 60, voter support is not nearly close to that level. So they only have, the Liberal Party only has a five-point lead over, actually a four-point lead over the Conservatives at the moment. So even though um, approval levels are quite high, in terms of voter support, quite a bit lower, and the race is actually quite competitive. So if an election were held tomorrow, the Liberals would not be in a position to win a majority government. We talked about that vaccine rollout before we let you go with this economic outlook expected later today and talk about how much we have or haven't spent, depending on how you look at it. Where does that topic sit in terms of how voters are feeling about how the government's handling things? The vaccine rollout is one thing. There's the health side, but there's the economic side, Daryl. And some people might argue we've spent too much or not enough. Well, people aren't really looking at it in terms of the spending at the moment, which is the the saving grace for the government. Uh, There will be a point at which we get to that. What they're really looking at is the effect. So whether or not they feel like they're being taken care of, that they're being assisted to get through this crisis, and whether or not uh, the government is being able to use that money to make sure that people, uh, you know, aren't impoverished, uh, aren't uh, aren't put in in an economic economically precarious situation, and at the moment. It seems to be a very fine balance. We'll see what, what happens as a result of the, uh, um, the, uh, the presentation today. Daryl Bricker is the CEO of Ipsos Public Affairs, keeping tabs on how we feel about all sorts of things, pandemic and non-pandemic related. Daryl, thank you as always for your time and your work. Thanks for having me on. For the past couple of weeks, have had great fun taking calls, getting people to submit their uh, reasons why they think they should be in for a total flooring makeover. And now we want to call our winner. I'm going to press this button. <laughs> Good morning, Kathy. Good morning. How are you? I'm doing well. Is this Kathy McKinnon? It certainly is. Did you enter our contest online? I did. Yeah, well... I am pleased. I'm thrilled. I'm happy to tell you that you are receiving a $5,000 total flooring makeover from our friends at Total Flooring. Congratulations. That's awesome. (laughs) What a way to start a Monday. Not too bad, huh? And Kathy, you wrote in to say that your current carpet was 30 years old, dated, just old, in need of an update. I mean... I don't. I mean, I was thinking my ten-year-old carpet was struggling, but what happens after thirty years with dogs and kids and grandkids? Well, it's not. You know, it needs to be replaced. And um, in COVID times, I guess we're going to have our flooring replaced. It's awesome. Uh, well, congratulations. Uh, I'm hearing three dogs, and uh, I have two myself. And I was in a room that I don't always go in on Saturday. And I have to admit, uh, the Febreze was a very welcome relief. I don't know if you have to deal with anything like that, Kathy, but uh, you're going to be able to take care of that now. Well, unfortunately, we've lost our three dogs now. But oh, well, they, did leave, they, have lost, they have left their marks on the carpet, for sure. <laughs> well, very good. And grandchildren yeah. now as well. So uh, what, room, what room gets top priority before we let you run here, Kathy? Uh, the living room is, and dining room, definitely. That's it. That's the one that has to go. It's 30 years old. It has to go. <laughs> you have uh, one promise you have to make us. For sure. When it all gets done, you'll send us pictures. Absolutely, All for right. sure. Kathy, for sure. Kathy McKinnon, our $5,000 total flooring winner, grand prize. Congratulations again, Kathy. Make it a fantastic day and uh, happy holidays. Merry Christmas. Best of the season to you. Thank you, and same to you and everyone at CJOB. Uh, you've made my day. That's awesome. Thanks so Ma- much. Magnificent. Great to hear it. Oh, that's excitement, isn't it, Loren? I love it. Oh.
don't have to uh, drive too deep into Winnipeg to see that the pandemic has already had a huge impact on small businesses. There are for lease and for sale signs up at several former shops and restaurants. And with Manitoba still in its latest lockdown, the hits for the business community will undoubtedly keep coming. And for many places, for many restaurants and shops, really the only option because of the restrictions to make money is online. And so today is Cyber Monday. We know many of our favorite small businesses are in tough against some of the big box retailers. And so we wanted to check in with one of our favorite local restaurant owners who's been trying to direct Manitobans to a single website for hundreds of different stores and local shopping needs. And he is, of course, Abi Khan, owner of Shwarma Khan. Good morning, Abi. Good morning. Thanks for having me. Thanks for the early start, and I, I know we want to talk about shopping local, but before we do, we also want to talk about the kind of local response we've seen from government. So I know at 11 a.m. we're expecting to hear from the Crown Services Minister on COVID supports or more COVID supports. The federal government's releasing its economic update later today, and then, of course, on Friday, the City of Winnipeg shared its budget for the coming years, and that includes a small grant program for some small businesses of about $1,100. Just wanted to get your thoughts on the kind of local response, you know, the on-the-ground response from both the city and the province you've seen to date for restaurant owners like yourself. Yeah, you know, it's uh, it, it, it's a tough spot everyone's in, whether it's provincial or city. I mean, federal's got a ton of money they can play with, but the city doesn't have a ton of levers it can pull on for funding for stuff like this. So, you know, I think what they have done with the freezing of the, or actually the increase of the um, business tax is a good thing. I mean, that saves businesses about $2,000 a year, uh, which is good, you know, and they're doing what they can. I think people are, are trying to really support and help what they can. The province, you know, I look forward to I'm having discussions with them. I look forward to continuing to have more discussions with them and help solidify some sort of partnership uh, where we can work forward on, on bringing this, you know, online platform I've created to the masses. Um, and, you know, and I, and I think everyone's doing what they can. Can they do more? I mean, I think everyone wants everyone to do more, but there's only so much people can do. And we make the best of what we got. Abi, uh, last Friday, of course, was Black Friday. Today being Cyber Monday, and it's expected that uh, actually sales online will be uh, higher today than they would would be and were on Friday. And we reached out to a variety of different businesses on Friday, and several of them told us that they were afraid to come on the air to do any promotion because of how busy they have been. What's What have you heard in the community? And tell us about goodlocal.ca and how many businesses are a part of this now and the effect it's having in terms of trying to stay busy and to round up new business as we enter the uh, heart of the sh- shopping season. You know, I think it's a great thing anytime people are afraid to talk about their business because they're getting too many sales, and that's what we need right now, right? If local businesses are saying, oh, we can't promote anymore because we're getting slammed, that's a good thing. There's been a massive paradigm shift in the way people are thinking about shopping, and especially shopping local during COVID. And the response that you guys see, you go anywhere, it's support local. Everyone wants to support local. So, you know, I came up with goodlocal.ca uh, in the early stages of the pandemic because I wanted to support local, but I didn't know how to support local. As a local guy who does everything local, I said, well, I don't know where to go. So I created a platform where everything good and everything local can be on good local. So we started, you know, really we launched about three weeks ago and we had 18 orders. And then we got some media attention, thanks to you guys and other avenues. Uh, we had 300 orders the following week. And last week, we had over 700 orders. Now, that sounds like huge, but when you think of the numbers, we did over $120,000 of sales in two weeks, and 100% of that money went local. We didn't take any commission off that. We're not taking any commission yet. Uh, we're putting all the money in the hands of business. That's $120,000 in two weeks of purchases for local businesses. Wow, that's incredible to hear, Abby. And, and going on to the website now, goodlocal.ca, I mean, everything from bracelets to headbands to candles to woodworking stuff made locally here in Manitoba. But you've had to actually hit pause, according to your website, uh, while yeah. you reconfigure how you're doing things because the demand has been so great. So there's, you know, the good news, I don't want to say bad news, it's good news, good news. But tell us about hitting pause on the ordering right now and how that how you hope it will work in the days ahead. Yeah, you know, no one can predict and no one can scale a business from 18 orders to 700 orders in two weeks. It was just too much, too fast. Our website wasn't designed for that. When I came up with the idea, I said, yeah, you know, I'll do 50 sales, 100 sales in the background. I'll run it out of my restaurants and it'll be a side little gig where I can help local and people can be happy. Uh, but the response is amazing. We've, we've had to move twice 
We've actually started reconfiguring our whole entire website from scratch. Uh, we actually today we are we're hiring ten people today. We already have a staff of about eight, so that t- almost twenty new jobs created during the pandemic. Um, you know, it, the response has been amazing. So we had to hit pause just because we were we were we were making mistakes on our end. Unfortunately, the vendors were dropping off stuff at, at our drop off location downtown. Funny enough, Shorma Khan is that's, that's what we're using as a drop off center. Um, saying we've had more orders in the last two weeks than we've had all year. Wow. Um, we This is unbelievable, the response we've had locally. So we had to hit pause. Hopefully we'll be back. I mean, we still had 500 orders. So if you think about it, we only had two days of ordering because our, our cutoff day is Tuesday. So we actually hit pause on Friday. So after two days of being live, uh, ready for the next week's orders, we already had 500. At that rate, we were projected to hit almost 2,000 sales this week. And we just, you can't scale from 18 orders to 2,000. I, I just can't do it. I mean, my staff's working 18-hour days. So we're hiring 10 people today. We're creating jobs during the pandemic. We're getting hands in the money of local businesses. Uh, and we want people to stay home and stay safe. Like the shopping online platform is designed so you can stay home, stay safe, and still support local. Because how else can you stay home and put money in the hands of local businesses? You can't do it. Well, as Abby, as Loren said, sort of a good news, bad news situation there, but obviously more good than bad. And one of the trends that I am absolutely loving with regard to purchasing local, it's not just purchasing local items that you might be able to get elsewhere. It's how many of these items are Winnipeg centric in the first place? Oh, they're all, I mean, I'd say uh, well, everyone, everyone on Good Local has to be a local business owner, right? You have to be local to be on Good Local. Now, your products, the majority of them are made locally here in Manitoba, but we have local retail stores. Like, we're loading Food Fair this week because Food Fair, owned by the Need family, is a locally run business. And we want to put the money in the hands of local businesses. So now, coming up in the next week, and that's what we hit pause for, is we want people to order their milk, bread, and eggs and your essentials from a local business. And then while you're doing that, why not get a bracelet or a necklace or a scarf or, or something for your mother? Like the gifts on there are massive. Another really cool thing that we found on the platform, which I didn't know was over 95% of the people shopping local are buying more than two or three local businesses. So they're shopping from two or three vendors at the same time. So now we're spreading that pot of wealth amongst so many more businesses that you wouldn't get if you just went to one shop and shop locally there. So the platform's really, really grown into this massive, I think it's going to change the ecosystem of shopping during the pandemic, but also post-pandemic. I think people were really try to support local and I want them all to go to good local, not selfishly. I mean, listen, I'm not making a commission on this yet. This is all being funded out of, you know, my small back pocket and my business partner, uh, because we really want to support local. And if we don't do it now, like you said earlier, there are dozens of shops in the downtown core that are vacant now and there'll be even more. And the big box stores aren't going anywhere. Walmart, Costco, Amazon, they're not going anywhere. They're actually profiting from this. So we need to shift the way we're thinking and support local or else these businesses won't be here. Abby, tremendous news today hearing that your website just hitting pause right now while you reconfigure sales went from 18 orders to hundreds of orders over the past two weeks. I just have to ask you, did that, that had to have felt good. It felt great. Uh, almost tears in my eyes. Honestly, when you get vendors come in the door saying, uh, Abby, what you're doing and what your team is doing has allowed me to pay my bills this month, has allowed me to pay my mortgage this month. Uh, it's amazing. People have been laid off. It's a tough time we're all living in, right? Um, People are laid off, and they got these, and they got their garage full of forty, fifty thousand dollars in inventory that they were hoping to sell at, you know, uh, St. Norbert's Market or Third and Bird or another event like that, and they've all been canceled. So they don't know what to do. I mean, that's this is their time to make their money, and you know, I'm just so happy and proud that me and my team have been able to provide a platform for them to sell and to hopefully continue this local ecosystem that we all love here in Winnipeg. Everyone talks about it, and. You know, we always back it up with over $100,000 of sales in the hands of local businesses. Goodlocal.ca. You're going to see some changes happening at that website. And uh, Abicon, thanks for what you're doing, uh, taking this initiative. Uh, this is really such a community-minded effort, and uh, we applaud you for, for standing up and taking this on, and we appreciate the time this morning. Get back at it, eh, bud? Hey, listen, I, I will do my best to support, and thank you guys for the coverage you do and bringing awareness to this and uh, Keep up the good work on your end, guys. Thank you.
So Loren, I asked Jeff Forche if he could give me an update, like how we're doing, if we're giving him a worse time than normal when it's just the two of us. He says, no, about the same as usual. <laughs> the same amount so of difficult. The <laughs> same amount of difficult. Clock schmock, Forche. Okay? I know we got to be in and out at certain times for all sorts of requirements, but we don't abide by those rules when Brett's not here. That's oh, right. I know. It's, it goes off the rail very freestyle. quickly. It's a freestyle. <laughs> That's right. It's just a general suggestion. Brett McGarry will be back on Monday, and I'm sure Forche's counting the days. Some of you may be as well. Uh, Brett, uh, well-deserved week off here. I hope he's recharging his batteries. Uh, Loren, uh, once again... Uh, if this sounds like a broken record, uh, it's because it happens every single day. 12.30, what's happening here on 680 CJOB? Yeah, of course, it's the daily update from Dr. Brent Rusin and Lynette Siragusa. will be there as well. We'll carry that live here at 680 CJOB. And, and I personally always like to listen to the Monday ones because we've gone through a weekend where we've had new numbers come in. Um, of course, new deaths. We had the death of the youngest Manitoban to date, the boy under 10 who passed away of COVID-19. So there'll be other questions for Dr. Rusin and, and also questions of maybe more positive front. We we heard from Cynthia Carr in the news run saying that she's keeping an eye on that positivity rate. And at the very least, if, if we're looking for a silver lining, it's stagnant. It hasn't moved too far up or, or down in Winnipeg. So it's not necessarily getting worse. Of course, she's keeping her eye on the Southern Health region where there are still questions about uh, case counts in the Steinbeck area, uh, churchgoers, all the rest. Lots of things for Dr. Rusin to discuss today. So we will, of course, carry that live at 1230. Yeah, lots of things for us to look at, including to start this hour, skiing in a pandemic. Right now, it's not allowed. And we've been sharing stories this morning of winter activities we used to love or would love to try, even if we're at, shall I say, advanced age, or it feels as though our better days are behind us, Loren. Yeah, and we are wondering if we'll be able to hit the slopes anytime soon this winter. So in Europe, for example, there are talks underway as we speak for this approach that would keep resorts shut in some alpine countries in efforts to control the pandemic, keep them shut at least through the holidays. While in the States and some parts of Canada, looking to Whistler, for example, in BC, ski hills are already open, but with some restrictions. And so our next guest is the owner of Spring Hill Winter Park, just on the outskirts of Winnipeg. And they're trying to figure out what's going to happen for their future. Her name is Vivienne Julian. She joins us now. Good morning. Good morning. So just to be clear for our listeners, you're not allowed to be open right now. You are closed? We are closed, yes. So, uh, sorry, Vivienne, go ahead. I was just going to ask you, you are closed right now. Do you have any sense of if you might be allowed to open under a code or a a level red, or is right now that a no-go? They really haven't given us any indication. We're hopeful and optimistic that the province and health authorities will see that we have been preparing since March and developed some safety protocols to allow us to operate safely with a very low risk to exposure. Yeah, as we were discussing this earlier in uh, preparation for bringing you on, Vivienne, uh, I, I I suggested that it wouldn't necessarily be the skiing that would be the difficulty. Keeping uh, people separated uh, on your slopes would probably probably be the easiest part of this. It would be more the change rooms, the the chalet, and keeping se- people separated on the tow ropes and on the ski lifts. So, what is it that you're proposing to the provincial government, and and what would you like them to consider in terms of allowing you to reopen well ski areas like all other activities we've adjusted our operations to minimize the risk Um, face masks would be mandatory indoors outdoors um, at all times Um, you know we've got the frequent cleaning and disinfecting having limited indoor services Um, and we recommend the use of of your vehicle to gear up and store your bags there would be nothing uh, stored indoors so that's some of the rules that you're proposing. What's the pushback that you're hearing? Because, you know, I, I would look very much forward to the opportunity to potentially ski, but at the same time, I'm wondering how would you make sure people were lining up at an appropriate distance, that there weren't more than people from the same household getting on a chairlift? How do you control that? Well, we plan on having um, a lot more staff in place um, to to watch to make sure that everybody is, you know, abiding by the rules and the protocols. Um, you just, more staff is the only way to make sure um, that everything is going to run smoothly. 
snow is fairly imperative in an operation like yours. So even though you are not open and don't have permission to be so, are you making snow in preparation uh, for a- an answer that you, you might get from the provincial government? Yes, we are. Um, although our weather hasn't been very cooperative, Mother Nature has given us some very warm weather. Um, last night, we did start making snow at about 8 p.m. Um, and other than that, we've only had one other evening that we have been able to produce the snow. But um, whenever we have the minus 10 uh, temperatures, we are making snow, hopefully, so, because we hope to be open. Yeah, of course. You've you got you to gotta plan for the best, I would assume, uh, Vivian. And I'm just curious what you're hearing from potential customers, because I noticed on your website that tickets are available. Is that correct? Or passes? We have we we are selling season passes. Um, we we feel that we hope that we will be open. Um, the public has been very um, supportive of us being open. All the integrators point to a very strong demand for outdoor recreation. Uh, we have been receiving emails since June, which is unlike any other year, uh, for people wanting to book lessons. Um, wanting to get outside so the the public is wanting to to be outside and there's no better um it, it the activity is a type of activity that you have self-distancing wearing a ski or a snowboard you're automatically that six feet apart you make a very good point. Uh, Vivienne, I uh, promise you will uh, keep us up to date in terms of your conversations and interactions with the government. We will. Thank you very much, Vivienne Julianne. She's the owner of Spring Hill Winter Park. Did you watch or happen to see the highlights of what happened in Bahrain and the Grand Prix there? No, but I weirdly I I, fo- I was following somebody who was watching it on Twitter, or so I was reading the Twitter feed while they were watching it. So I feel like I saw the race based on the way they were describing it, but it was pretty incredible. Yeah, there was a crash, a fiery crash. We'll ask our next guest in his weekly visit if he saw it. Bob Irving joins us now on the start. Robert, how are you today, sir? Oh, I got to press the button. Whoops. There we go. We'll try that again. Good morning, Robert Irving. How are you this morning? I'm fine. How are you guys? And Lorraine, how was your holiday during these pandemic times? Oh, thank you for asking. It was definitely different. I uh, tried to get up and put pants on every day, and that was sometimes the highlight, Bob. But other than that, it was nice to be get be around the family and get some things organized and done. A lot of closets got cleaned. That was a first for a holiday for me. And boy, when we're cleaning closets at the highlight of our holidays, that uh, that says it all, doesn't it? They look great. I'll send you a picture. I know you're th- be thrilled to get a photo of that. Yeah, okay. <laughs> <laughs> Bated breath, I'm sure. So uh, let, let's go about this this way, Bob. The National yeah. Football League has tried to operate as normally as possible in the face of the COVID-19 pandemic. No bubbles to this point. Some stadiums with some fans in some cities and then of course last week COVID-19 caught up with several teams including one which lost all four of its quarterbacks let's start there the Denver Broncos starting a wide receiver at quarterback yesterday have you ever seen a football team in any league go into a game with none of their roster quarterbacks available to play no I've never seen that and I think there's two ways to look at this Uh, you could suggest that the NFL basically made a mockery of that game because the Broncos asked for the game to be postponed or delayed or whatever until one of their quarterbacks uh, you know, was healthy enough or had beaten the, the COVID restrictions so he could play. Uh, but then, I guess the other way to look at it is the National Football League is saying to the Denver Broncos, hey, you guys got careless and you're going to pay a price. We're going to make an example of you. You're going to play this game without a quarterback they had a wide receiver who was on the practice roster come in and play quarterback, and this will be an example for all the other teams in the league to, you know, tighten down your COVID restrictions. Don't let this happen. So I guess there's two those two ways to look at it. It was a bit of a joke, and uh, Denver did get crushed by a good New Orleans team. Um, so, yeah, I've never seen anything like it, and uh, 
boy, the National Football League is, they've done a great job, really, of getting as far as they have now during the season without any major, I say major developments. They've had a couple of games postponed, including the Baltimore-Pittsburgh game, which they intend to play still tomorrow night. It was scheduled for last Thursday, moved to Sunday, now for Tuesday. And Baltimore's had a rash of COVID positives that will deplete their roster if the game is played tomorrow night. So it's becoming more and more challenging for the National Football League. And, you know, all these teams in the NFL operate with these huge cohorts, right? you got 60 or 70 players, uh, 15 or 20 coaches, and it's hard to socially distance, and you can wear masks, but when you're in meetings, you know, some guys take their masks off, and it's just a real challenge. So I think they've done well to get as far as they have. Uh, whether or not they can keep it up for a few more weeks before this all blows up on them, I don't know. So what was the response? I'm curious. I, th- I think it was it was a Kendall Hinton. He came in as, as yes. quarterback. He was the wide receiver who came in as quarterback. I mean, if you had been, say, the third or fourth string quarterback, you'd be excited to get your chance out there. This this can't have been the case for him. It must have been. It almost feels cruel. Well, yeah. yeah it, it's a chance for him to kind of be in the spotlight, I guess. And, and, I, and everybody would understand that he performed poorly at quarterback. Because he's not a quarterback, he's a he's a wide receiver. My guess is he had some fun doing it. Although again, Denver lost thirty-one to three, but it's a, just an impossible situation to put him into. He would understand though that hey, this is the situation we're in. This is the hand we've been dealt. They've asked me to go out there and and try to make something out of this, and so you know that's the least I can do for them. I I wouldn't want to have been in his shoes yesterday, especially playing again a good team. But they didn't ask him to pass very often. He mostly handed the ball off. So I don't know. The whole thing was a, really a joke when you think about it. But it's the National Football League saying to the Broncos and all the other teams, "Hey, you guys, mind your p's and q's, or you're gonna you're gonna have to play some games in a very very trying situation." Well, I had to tune in briefly just to see how it was going, and I managed to see. Uh, his only completion, he was one of nine and two interceptions, so I saw his only completion, Bob, and one of his two interceptions. Uh, speaking of quarterbacks, it looked like maybe Chris Strebler was going to get a start versus the Patriots yesterday as we made our way through the latter parts of last week. Alas, Kyler Murray was good to go for the Arizona Cardinals, but that uh, certainly would have been something else. And uh, to add, uh, maybe uh, twist the knife a little bit, there were a couple of circumstances where I would have thought uh, Strevler would have been trotted out onto the field by Cliff Kingsbury, the the former Blue Bomber and Cardinals head coach, but that didn't happen either. In fact, Murray sort of pouted the first time it appeared as though that was going to happen. Yeah, well, there was speculation going into that game. Murray had hurt his shoulder the week before, Kyler Murray, the quarterback for Arizona, and there was speculation that Strevler might get some snaps, some playing time. But it didn't turn out that way. I've heard from people who are closer to the scene that Kyler Murray doesn't like it when anybody else goes in and takes a snap. Uh, you know, he's a young kid with a lot of talent and a fairly high opinion of himself. And the the prospect of the coach, Cliff Kingsbury, putting Strebler in in any package rubs Kyler Murray the wrong way. And so I think Kingsbury, as a result, is maybe a little bit reluctant to use Strebler in some of the packages that we, we thought they might use him in. So I guess Chris is going to have to be satisfied with his $610,000 U.S. salary and holding a clipboard and just hope that somewhere down the road he'll get a chance to get on the field and show people down south what he can do, some of the things he did up here for the Blue Bombers. So we were talking about different, uh, I don't want to use the word shenanigans per se, Bob, that were going on in some of the games yesterday. And the Ravens-Steelers game was moved from Thursday to Sunday. It's now going to be played tomorrow night. And it would appear the 49ers have to finish the rest of their regular season away from their home in Santa Clara. So we've been talking about just sort of the different COVID challenges for the NFL. Has their luck run out, do you think, with all these different moves they've had to make? Well, it's becoming, I think, more sketchy all the time, Loren, for sure. You know, the the thing just keeps piling up. And, of course, the, the cases in the U.S., if we follow that, and most of us do, are rising all the time. And it becomes more and more challenging for the National Football League. I think they've been incredibly effective and maybe a little bit lucky to get as far along as they have without having a major disruption. And they do have an open week at the end of the playoffs, they always take a two-week break before the Super Bowl, so they do have an open week if they want to 
turn that into just a one-week break before the Super Bowl where they could add some games if they get pushed back. But they are clearly bound and determined to finish the season, have everybody play 16 games, and then run through their playoffs and play the Super Bowl. Uh, We'll see if COVID will let them. COVID has you know, wrecked a lot of plans for people. So far, the National Football League has been able to hold its own, but the next few weeks will be very interesting. I don't want to uh, skip over the Bahrain uh, Grand Prix in that uh, situation, but I do want to ask you about Tom Brady and the Tampa Bay Bucks yesterday versus Patrick Mahomes and his Kansas City Chiefs yesterday afternoon. What did you think of that matchup, the the quarterback of the last two decades for what could be the quarterback for at least the next decade or so? Well, Brady in the Tampa Bay offense, I watched that whole game, got off to a terrible start. Uh, they were down 17 nothing at one point. Brady looked very frustrated. And then he came on and played much better as the, as the game went on. Patrick Mahomes, though, the young quarterback for Kansas City, he truly is a special player. Man, oh, man, every time you, you see him each week, he does something more remarkable, and he just makes you go, did you see that? Wow. He really is a gifted kid. And he's got uh, tons of talents around him to do the different things that he likes to do. So it was an interesting matchup, and the Bucks came back and made a game out of it. I, you know, here's what I like, Greg, about it. Tony Romo did the color on that game with Jim Nance on CBS, and he outlined some of the issues that Brady is still facing with the change of teams into a new offensive system and how things aren't necessarily working out uh, the way he hoped they would, and it's not his fault. It's the fault of the play calling and the other players around him, and he did it in such a way that was really, really informative and entertaining. And uh, Tony Romo's just, uh, he's outstanding. He's worth uh, 15 or $20 million a year. That's what he makes, by the way, to do color commentary on CBS, 15 to $20 million. That's more than he made playing quarterback. Well, he makes the telecast almost, uh, you know, worth tuning in for yes. all by himself, in, in my estimation. Yeah, he sure does. Before we let you go, you talked about things. Did you see that moments? Did you see that crash in Bahrain Grand Prix, Bob? It was the no. driver. I think the car split in two, and he yeah. was basically left with just some burns on his hands. I haven't seen it yet. I've seen pictures of it. I have not seen it live. I've heard all about it. Uh, he's a very lucky individual. Uh, you know, the guys who drive those uh, racing cars, whether it's F1 or NASCAR, uh, you know, I just shake my head at the speed they're going that more of them don't lose their lives. Uh, you know, it's it's remarkable what happened with, with this guy, that he was able to basically walk away with minor burns. When you see the pictures and the, and the fire and the flames and his car split in half and the whole nine yards, man, oh, man, he'll wake up this morning thanking his lucky stars or thinking he's got some sort of a, a second life after what happened on the weekend. Yeah, sure. A testament to engineering and to the safety equipment uh, that we eventually benefit from uh, when in our in our cars that we drive, cars and trucks we drive every day. So yeah. uh, th- there is something to be grateful for on that front. But I, I'm with you, Bob. I just don't understand the calling there. But uh, hey, what are you, you going to do? Thanks hey, can for- I say one last thing? I wrapped up my binge of Homeland. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's okay. And I have to say, uh, the eighth season, the final episode, I was dying to see how they'd close it off. And I found it to be a very satisfactory ending. Okay, the good whole to thing. Know. Now, some might not agree, and, and often series will end, and people will go, oh, you got to be kidding me. They ended it that way, but I love the way they ended Homeland, and I won't say anything more. I'm going to have to take a look at that because I stopped at season seven and I forgot to check back in. I'll yeah, let you know, well, Bob. Season... I'll send a picture of my closet and I'll give you my review. <laughs> I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> Claire Danes uh, cleaning closets. Is that uh, what we just boiled it down to? Yeah. Thanks, well, friends. Thanks, problem. Bob. Okay, you guys. Bob Irving with his weekly visit here on The Start. Everything you imagined and hoped for, Loren? Always is. He's always a good way. He, Unbelievable the way he, uh, the way he mm-hmm. broke all that down. And normally I send Bob some notes. Yes, I know. I was going to ask. Gonna, what we're going to talk about. I didn't send him anything because I, I was following. I knew what he w- had been doing this weekend. Twitter is uh, like a, a spy. Mm. You know, you can get a real insight into what people are up to on the weekend. But New uh, game ne- next Monday. Try to stump Bob. If you take the correct route on your way home or on your way to work, you will encounter angels at the side of the road. In fact, this has been an annual event for the last 24 years. 
years. Which means this year is actually the silver anniversary of the Angel Squad, 25 years of celebrating and supporting Misericordia Health Center's programs and, of course, services. And as you might imagine, this year's Angel Squad will be conducting their magic in a slightly different fashion. Lisa Stiver is the board chair of the Misericordia Health Center Foundation, and we'd like to bring her on and wish her good morning. Good morning, Lisa. Hi, good morning. Well, thanks for taking the time to tell us about such an important and, quite frankly, a lovely gesture that's so nice to see uh, outside Misericordia every single year. And that is, of course, the Angel Squad. So just in case folks don't know, Lisa, can you give us a bit of a history lesson of who the squad is? Well, yes. And as as, uh, Greg just mentioned, it's our 25th anniversary this year. Uh, What many people have seen over the last 25 years is as you drive over the Maryland Street Bridge, you will see dozens of angels, uh, volunteers, supporters in the surrounding community uh, wearing um, angel gowns, wings and halos, uh, where we encourage passerbyers to duck into the loop at the Misericordia Health Centre, provide us with a donation. We give them a coffee or a hot chocolate and they're on their way in the morning. It's a great event that we always hold at the beginning of December. It celebrates the start of the holiday season for us. So obviously, and I hate to say it that way, things are going to look slightly different this year, Lisa, as you move to a more COVID-friendly operation. What do you be doing uh, to honour your 25th, your silver anniversary for the Angel Squad? Well, yes, uh, as with uh, most other events this year, we've had to change uh, directions. And so we are still honouring the 25th anniversary. We launched uh, 25 days of giving leading up to December 1st. So that is tomorrow. And we did an online donation drive instead of the in-person donation. So although you wouldn't have seen us um, in our uh, costumes or in our halos, uh, people have been able to donate um, virtually online or by phone. And I'm really excited to um, share that we have actually surpassed our initial goal. Our initial goal was $25,000 in 25 days. And we are now over $40,000. Whoa, wait, you were hoping to raise that by Christmas and you're already there now? Well, well by, tomorrow, by tomorrow. Tomorrow oh, oh. is going to be our 25th day and tomorrow would have been the actual 25th anniversary of the first Angel Squad. So um, it's, we're completely overwhelmed by the response and incredibly grateful to the community and all our supporters. So we have one day left. Um, wow. And in the spirit of giving, tomorrow is Giving Tuesday. We've decided to see if we can hit $50,000. Holy smokes. Isn't that something? And it's just indicative of Winnipeg. Not only the work you do at Misericordia Health Centre Foundation at the health centre itself, but just how generous Manitobans are. Year after year, we say it, we brag about it. Uh, in difficult times and in good, uh, Manitobans really step up, Lisa. Oh, it has been wonderful. Yes, the support has been great. And so, yes, tomorrow is is the last day and we encourage anyone that um, is able uh, to support us to to do so. You can do it online at our um, uh, website, misericordiafoundation.com, or you can text um, or you can call us. We'd love to hear from you. And that's been another great part of this this virtual uh, drive is that we've been hearing some wonderful stories from people over the years, their experiences with Misericordia or with Angel Squad. And it's been uh, uh, just an incredible um, experience for all of us involved in it this year. I have to tell you that this is it's such good news on a Monday, Lisa. And, you know, about an hour and a half ago, we were talking to a local business owner about how overwhelmed the system it was um, that they've launched called goodlocal.ca. So many people wanting to shop local and support local businesses in these tough times that they've had to reconfigure the website just to keep up with the demand. On Friday, of course, we had the St. Boniface uh, Radiothon and it surpassed its goal. And so to hear that you've hit $40,000 when you were aiming for 25000 I uh, can only imagine the cheers that went up uh, with your crew oh yes it's been wonderful and we have one day to go and and it is uh, well time tomorrow's giving tuesday as well so i'm really excited to see uh, where we can get to tomorrow lisa just for those that don't know uh what does misericordia health center do what happens at that location because for so many i was actually born at misericordia hospital when it was a full-on full-fledged hospital and then changes over time the urgent care was the heartbeat of that uh, location for many years there were sleep studies went there but what, what happens now lisa at uh, misericordia health center yes uh th- thanks greg our flagship program is still our eye care center of excellence which is the largest surgical treatment center in Western Canada. Um, we also house, and some people may not know this, we house HealthLinks InfoSante, which, as you know, has been at the heart of the COVID response. 
Um, so the provincial contact centre is actually at Misericordia and the hundreds of workers that have been staffing that service. And we still, you mentioned uh, the sleep disorder centre, we still have that. And as well, we um, have the transitional care units now, which is a new program, and the community IV program, which replaced our urgent care. Um, so th- uh, there's still a lot of uh, uh really essential services being provided there in addition to um, what the Angel Squad funds are being raised for, which is the residents at Misericordia Place. Yeah, we have to remind people that, that there are those that call that home. Yes, yes. And, and unfortunately, as anyone who has a loved one in a personal care home knows these days, it's it's been particularly isolating, challenging. And so this year more than ever, we wanted to still um, hold the Angel Squad drive to be able to provide some joy to those residents at this time of year. Lisa, thank you for this. Congratulations for this uh, wonderful exercise, the 25th annual. And uh, thank you to all the Manitobans that have uh, stepped up to essentially have you meet your goal for 25 days of giving. And let's see if we can uh, double it tomorrow on Giving Tuesday, where we will uh, speak to throughout the day on CJOB a variety of community uh, community organizations who do wonderful things just like the health or pardon me, the Misericordia Health Centre Foundation. I'm just looking at HSC right now, so forgive me for that, Lisa. I hope oh, you have no, a... that's all right. It's all, they're all great causes. They are indeed. Thank you so much for this, Lisa. Thank you very much. Have a great morning. You too, Lisa Stiver. She is the board chair of the Misericordia Health Center Foundation. What, what a That's a great way to kind of wrap up our Come morning, on, Manitoba. Good on you. Yes. Like, I'm very, I mean, I know, man. Thinking about where your dollars and how you're going to stretch them this year, I get that for so many people, there's just you can't get past today, let alone thinking ahead. But to hear that all these people have been giving tremendously, giving back to our community over the past few weeks, let's keep that going. Hey, thanks for listening to the Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcast, Google Podcast, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think. And hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.